and welcome to Combat Thoughts. I'm Robbie. I'm Lee. And I'm Alex. We're going to take a deeper look at culture and philosophy behind martial arts. Hello and welcome to episode 45 of Combat Thoughts. This week we're speaking to James the Lionheart Dixon. James is an undefeated professional MMA fighter. He's got an undefeated amateur record with three British titles and he won a terrific fight at the weekend. He is training out of Lions Gym in Coventry and he's really putting the place on the map. We discuss his journey as a fighter, becoming a coach, uh, loving his loving violence and a lot of other topics. It's also the first episode where I'm not involved, where it's just Alex and Lee. So it's a little bit of a different one this time, and I hope you enjoy. Cheers for joining us, James. So as always, the first question is, how did you get into martial arts? Um, I mean, I got in, I guess you could say, late. I started when I was 15. Um, it was after I'd watched the Ultimate Fire UK versus USA. I mean, I'd seen like bits of MMA before. Like I remember seeing Czech Congo, and uh, sort of a massive geared up people thinking, man, they look pretty fucking cool. <laughs> but um, it was the Ultimate Fire UK versus USA that I seen, and it was on Channel Five USA, um, and that's where instantly I knew, fuck me, like this is what I want to do. You was know that the I mean? Bisping Dan Henderson one? No, this is actually Andre Winner. Andre ah, Winner, yeah. <sighs> which is strange, right? Because then Andre Winner went on to to coach me which is the, fir- yeah. the first glimpse of MMA was, you know, my coach, my, my future coach, you know. But, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, it was a great season. Still my favourite to this day. Agreed, yeah, that season is amazing. Mm. So then how did that progress through? This was pretty good. Like what? Because was Lions, Lions your first gym you went to? Oh, no, no, no. I, 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 well, I, I, like many people end up at like a McDojo first. Yeah. I, I didn't know my ass and my elbow, you know what I mean? Um, I remember, again, like, I'm a typical young boy in the sense that if I see somebody huge and scary looking, I thought, man, that dude knows how to fight. Yeah. So organically, I gravitated towards, let's say, Jeff Monson. If, you, if you've known Jeff Monson, I thought, that dude looks pretty fucking cool. And then that's where I went down a rabbit hole of American top team. And in, in Coventry, in, in my city, there's a, an American top team affiliate. Now, mm. I didn't know that all you have to do is pay whatever fucking hundred dollars and you become a, you become an affiliate. I just thought <laughs> Jeff Monster is going to be teaching me. This is amazing. So I, I, I go there again, not knowing my ass or my elbow. There's some I don't know, karate guy of some sort. Um, I remember I did a one-to-one with him first. He put me in a triangle choke and I didn't even choke. And I thought, nah, nah, he must know his stuff still. So I went there, paid him my money, whatever, you know, signed the contract, and I was there for about a year. And thought I was pretty handy. And then this is what, when I got to, just before 16, went to Lions Gym that I just opened. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got my ass handed to me. And I thought, <laughs> okay, cool. Like, this is not a good gym. I need to move to Lions. And then that's where I've been since. Uh, I mean, Lions is a tough mat. You, uh, yeah, yeah. you don't catch, <laughs> catch slouches going. Yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> so gym then, full of killers. That's it. It's, well, especially with James on the mat, he'd beaten the shit out of when I was there. <laughs> 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 no it's a bit more even nowadays there's some good people there now so how did that progress then into kind of competing was it did you always want to compete was it yeah I mean um, I've always been into fighting I played a bit of rugby when I was younger I was getting into fights on the, the rugby pitch um, <laughs> uh, me and my friends almost made a fight club at school um, when we saw bits of MMA you know we had a little part in the, the, like, the playground as such where the teachers wouldn't go 
and they couldn't see. It was like a ditch. So um, we'll go there and then have a little wrestle and whatnot. Come back after lunchtime, covered in mud, sweaty. Like makes me wonder why I didn't have a girlfriend at the time. But you know, I didn't give two fucks. You know, I was fighting my friends. Um, I think we even set up a YouTube channel. We we're talking years ago, like Country Fight Club, and we'd put fucking us fighting each other on YouTube. I can't. I don't know even where the videos have gone. But um, man, I've won up in a tangent. How did he even get on his sub? So, ah, fighting. Yeah, so I pretty much knew that I was going to end up fighting. You know, um, it's just something I've always gravitated to. I've always liked combat, especially like on a, on a one-on-one format. Like I felt when I played rugby, for example, having the team was a hindrance. You know, I don't catch myself blaming my teammates and so on and so forth. As soon as it, it, it got to one-on-one, it was, you know, either my fault for winning or for losing, you know. So, yeah, I definitely gravitated towards the combat. Do you think um, in terms of, you know, if you, you you gravitate towards combat, what do you think? I mean, have you ever thought about the reason why why you, why you did? Was it like the challenge of it? Was it the fact that you just enjoyed the adrenaline rush, the intensity? Yeah, so, I mean, I found this out in later years. Um, it's not a nice thing, but I think I enjoy hurting people. <laughs> Okay. Enough, like, uh, unfortunately, like I, I worked the door for three or four years, um, a few years ago, and I always enjoy getting to scraps. You know, <laughs> I, I wouldn't beat people up without the necessary need of beating people up, but I would always enjoy beating up, you know, bullies and so on and so forth. You know, I think, of course, I like the challenge. I like, I like if a workout's hard, I love a hard workout. And there's no toys about it. But um, I think at the end of the day, I just enjoy violence. I enjoy almost being hurt and hurting other people. There's something, I don't know, uh, primal about it. Yeah. You know? So it's a good job you're not an accountant then, isn't it? <laughs> Dude, I've talked about this so much. I could definitely not hold down an old job. I think my brother was telling me about like some office politics and some guys like talking shit behind his back. And I was like, dude, like, where's your office? I want to go smash these coats. <laughs> <laughs> like, I couldn't deal with this, you know? <laughs> So it's funny you mentioned your brother, because if I remember correctly, when I was training with you, he was doing like a documentary on uh, one of your first fights. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's got some some great material. I think uh, so that was, I don't know, university too well, but like the final project thing, I think. Um, so I think it's like a 40 minute documentary on YouTube. Uh, I can't even remember the name, The Journey or We Come to Fight, something along these lines, but you can find it on YouTube. But yeah, yeah, that, that was like his final piece for university. Um, and I think it followed me maybe until the Aiden Lee fight, but I can't remember exactly. But it's good. He, he, honestly, uh, when I see somebody so passionate and so good with film, like I, I don't give compliments out easily. And I know my brother's very, very good when it comes to all camera stuff, you know. As I guess a peek behind the curtain as well. I remember kind of being in training, there'd be camera dotted about. You'd be like, what's going yeah. on there? And then <laughs> now you see like, he was before the time with like UFC embedded and things like that. Trust me, trust me. And funnily enough as well, he hated MMA before I got into it. Guys, oh, human cock fighting. I was like, no, look, look, it's a sport, I promise you. You know, and then he eventually got into it. And now he's hooked, you know what I mean? A proper fan, a diehard fan. So it's good, it's good. So did you start off with MMA? Was MMA your first martial art? Yeah, yeah. So I started with MMA. Man, I didn't even know what Brazilian jiu-jitsu was. I didn't know what anything was. Like, it was just MMA I started with. Um, I mean, I did a bit of karate way back um, when I was maybe 11. I went with my dad. But I remember like we maybe did it for six months. I thought I was pretty badass again. I've got a problem with being overconfident. This is exactly <laughs> why I don't gamble. You know what I mean? I go all in on the first move. 
So, I, yeah, I did like maybe six months of karate. thought, man, I'm pretty fucking confident. On the playground with my friends, I sort of got the karate stance because he was like, yeah, look, look, I box like karate shit. And I was like, nah, fuck off. Like, karate's real good. Got my karate stance. He slapped me in front of everybody. I thought, okay, cool. The karate's fucking shy. <laughs> I didn't even have a guard just there. My fucking, oh, okay. Oh, shit. You know what I mean? Okay, cool. So I quit karate. I thought, fuck that. Then I just went into rugby. Um, but yeah, so MMA was my first sort of martial art that I actually dedicated myself to. And then um, to get to Lions Gym, that's when somebody told me about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and Gracie Baja. And obviously Lions Gym is a Gracie Baja Academy. So that's why I traveled and changed my gym originally. Uh, mm. was because of the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And I, I sort of specialised in that for a few years, you know? That's because that's, I was going to ask that question. We've done a few podcasts recently where people have kind of said there was a boxer traditionally, there was a Thai boxer traditionally, or there was jiu-jitsu. And then we were saying, like, back in the day, everybody was, like, raving about Rory McDonald. He was the first guy to just do MMA. Where, where do you reckon, in terms of your training now, are you, do you reckon being a generalist is the right way? Um, it is a tricky one. It is a tricky one. I think it really does depend on individual skill sets. You know, like you can see some specialists that can pick up the, you know, the, the, the different martial arts fantastically. Um, trying to think off the top of my head. But um, people along the lines, I mean, BJ Penn, while he was a jiu-jitsu specialist, really cracking striker. Um, the Diaz brothers, um, you know, there are, there are many specialists that have picked up you know, um, the opposite style, you know, boxing, Muay Thai, Jiu-Jitsu, whatever, and, and ran with it and done really well. Like we see Usman now with the boxing. Yeah. Um, but then also you've got the Ben Askins and people are movement retarded, you know. Um, so <laughs> that, that, that's the, the, the problem, right? It's like, uh, I, I really do think it depends on people's skill sets. I think um, it, it's Dan Hardy that uh, always... To me, he, he seems to he seems to suggest that you know the next generation of fighters are still to come. The the next generation of people, I guess, like yourself, are, are still going through the works uh, and arriving into the UFC. Um, and it's I think that's quite interesting. I, I don't know uh, when when that when that's going to happen. When the uh, the like singularity moment's going to happen. When mm. suddenly it's like, whoa, everyone's you know trained MMA. Yeah, I mean, like what you saw originally, I think when we're seeing the next generation, it's more of the athletes, you know, like we've seen originally fighters, you know, and then the odd martial artists like the Hoist Gracie and stuff, but fighters and martial artists, you know, either, you know, brawlers, but, you know, people that are dedicated to martial art, but they'll, they'll never, you know, actual athletes, people that are almost like mm. Olympians and how they go about training. So now we're seeing a whole concoction of all three of those elements. Um and I think that's when we're looking at modern MMA. Obviously, I think the skill will forever develop and change. Um, as long as they don't change the rule set, like we see with things like jiu-jitsu and wrestling, that will start to damage the sport as long as they keep it somewhat open. Um, I think the sport will forever develop. And I think it's, you know, when we see the big change, it will be, like I said, the, 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 the bringing in of, you know, the actual athlete part of the sport, you know. But do you think, um, just along the lines uh of of that along the lines of um athletes entering the the mma um i was watching i was watching an interesting interview with with dan again i'm a big dan hardy fan and uh he was he was uh, talking about how um nowadays for example someone like usman is more of a it's more of an athlete in the sense of the way he fights is not like a true fighter's fighter um he's not a Dan Hardy, he's not a Masvidal or someone like or Nick or, or Nate Nick or Nate Diaz. 
And um, I'm curious whether you think, do you think um, there's uh, people are, are still gravitating more towards the fighters, uh, like true fighters, or are the athletes still, you know, bringing enough of value that the sport is is growing? Um, do you mean in terms of fans gravitating to gravitating? Yeah, to I, yeah. I mean, in terms of fans, I, I would definitely say so. I mean, especially nowadays, we're seeing I don't know fighting's going to a direction that is um, I know it's changing. You know what I mean? We're seeing the I don't even know the the the, the Jake Joe, Jake Paul Ben Askren these these types. I mean, don't get me wrong, I wouldn't consider them a fighter, but they're almost like um, shows. You know. Mm-hmm. So I think the fans, I don't know, I think the modern generation, maybe people are just a little bit more stupid. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, I feel there's like, I'd say people are definitely getting towards the fighters. You know, mm. obviously people like Masvidal, in my opinion, you know, shouldn't have probably got the, the title fight, you know. Um, yeah. not, not, not this title fight with Usman at this stage anyway. Um, but because obviously the fans want the fighters, want the McGregors, want, want the Masvidals, um, I think they, they will always lead the way you know, in terms of pay-per-views and so on and so forth. They're just far more exciting, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If you look at, like, Sean O'Malley and then Usman, Usman yeah. is, like, unreal. He's next-level kind of talent. And he's probably got a tenth of the amount of eyeballs that Sean O'Malley has. And it's <laughs> he gets high and has weird hair. And don't, don't get me wrong, he's fucking impressive, right? But Usman is arguably more impressive, but doesn't get anywhere near as much respect. Yeah, I mean, with Usman, that is bananas. Like, seeing seeing his last performance especially. I mean, just the way he controls people is it, it, phenomenal anyway. Of course, it's not pleasing to the eye. But, um, yeah, I don't understand the, the lack of respect, especially because people finally started to respect, for example, Khabib. You know, mm-hmm. after they seen what he did to McGregor, and people started to almost respect. You know, like we've seen with Islam Makachev as well. You know, people started to, oh, you know, I mean, it wasn't a great fight in terms of entertainment, but, you know, everyone was praising him. So we're seeing this sort of praise now for these characters. These people are going out and winning fights, but still, for some reason, Usman gets hated on, you know, a bit more so now, now he got that jab. But um, yeah, very, the jab was exciting. <laughs> Khabib's a funny one that you mentioned, because I reckon, and this is just kind of my finger in the air, there was a moment where he was the... Uh, the Johnson fight where he was saying, just give up brother. This is my title shot. It was when he started beating people up and talking shit was when he really blew up. It was when he was on top of somebody, when he was shouting at Dana White in the corner. And I think he crossed the line then into kind of being the, the bit of the hype as well as just being a dominant athlete. I think because Usman's unashamedly like, I'm just going to win the fight. Mm. I mean, it's one of those like, um, all the fighters as well, because everyone knew he was a monster. I mean, anybody from Dagestan is a monster. I remember, I don't know, I don't know if you were at Lions, your Andre used to bring uh, asthma to teach wrestling. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Flappy asthma. I remember wrestling with him, obviously he's Dagestani. I mean, he looked about 50, but he was younger than me. <laughs> he was young and he'd already been stabbed twice and he'd got a wife and he's got a son. It was bananas. But I remember wrestling and he suplexed me about 10 times. <laughs> I thought, okay, cool. Like, I'm not fucking with these people. You know, there's something about a Dagestani that terrifies me. Terrifies me, honestly. So, um, like, all the fighters and people that I trained with Dagestani sort of knew how legit Khabib was. But, yeah, I agree, you know. It was, um, wasn't until the average fan started to see, you know, him dismantle people while also talking to them. You know, it's <laughs> pretty ruthless. Does that come into your mind when you're kind of preparing for a fight? And I know, kind of, in the amateurs, it's a bit different, right? 
but like now you're pro, does it cross your mind? Do you do you think about it? What in terms of like making it a bit more entertaining or yeah, it's like I don't know because we've done chats previously around like the quickest way to the top. Mm-hmm. And it seems to be a lot of if you get eyes on if you're not doing spinning heel kicks and knocking people out, if you can get eyeballs on you, you'll get a call from a bigger promotion and things like that. Does it ever cross your mind or are you just kind of solely focused on I'm just gonna beat people? Yeah, definitely. To be fair, it's more so I know that when I fight, especially recently, and how I'm performing in the gym, my fighting will do the talking. So, you know, I don't, I don't feel like I have to make a big scene in the fight, or you know, any sort of weigh-in or press conference, etc. But it, it's just getting the fight at the minute. You know, thankfully I've been matched for June 26th, but um, I write a list of everybody that that turns me down because I've got a, a long list of people that will not fight me. And I get to a point, I'm saying, cool, look, if I don't get a fight within five fights, I'm releasing this and I'm chatting shit. Like, I don't want to, you know what I mean? I'm not into no shit chatting, but if none of these bastards will fight me, you know, because, you know, everyone wants to pick and choose their fights nowadays, then, mm-hmm. yeah, I think this is the problem. This is this is where I will have to start to go down that route if I continue struggling to get fights, you know what I mean? Oh, no, I'm into that. Name and shame them. Get them out. <laughs> yes. So how have you actually been, have you been struggling to get matched up? recently oh, yeah so my my my, uh, my upcoming fight I've had to take it welterweight um, I'm a lightweight um, I mean I cut a, a, a lot of weight anyway I won't deny this um, but just for through height and stature you know I'm a, I'm a lightweight but I mean look I'll fight fucking anybody you know um, and I honestly mean that you know I, I see it as for example if somebody come and you know spit on my mum on the street I don't give if that's Mike Tyson I'm going to run and fucking nut the guy you know what I mean like uh, 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 you know, um, I got I got a tattoo on my chest. One of my favorite, um, one of my favorite quote. The devil on the other side of the fight. Um, if I'm, I mean, ain't nobody gonna beat the devil. But if I'm guaranteed to lose, I don't give two fucks. I'm gonna go there. I'm gonna fight the cunt. You know what I mean? I'm gonna give it my all. So when I say I'll fight anybody, I'll fight anybody. You know, so whether that's lightweight, weightweight, fuck it, I'll even fight a middleweight. You know what I mean? I spar middleweights. It's not a problem. You know, so I, I you know, I, I told the promoter, I told the managers this, and no lightweights wanted to fight me, so it had to be a weightweight. You know. God, I think when last time I saw you fight, you was a featherweight, you was a skinny kid, yeah. you had <laughs> hair as well. <laughs> oh, mate, don't even get me started on that. You know what? That was working the door. Honestly, working the door. I was, and when I say this, a lot of people think I'm exaggerating. I'm not even joking. I was uh, on a Friday, I'd get maybe one or two hours sleep. On a Saturday, I'd get one or two hours sleep. I had to work on a Monday as well. Every time I worked the door, I get like one or two hours sleep. You know, fuck me, it was horrific, and I just lost my hair. Lost my hair. Disaster, man. Um, what? <laughs> what? Um, so, so when you were sort of coming up and um, like going through amateur, was that what you were kind of doing? You were working, working doors uh, and teaching. Uh, was that kind of the thing you were doing? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, my original plan was to be a personal trainer, sort of gym based, and that was sort of the qualification route I was going down. Like I'll do some hours, for example, behind the Lions Gym desk. Um, the guy who owns Lions Gym also owned a corner shop, so I'll go and you know do hours there. I'll do the odd painting and fucking labouring work. I was doing anything to make money so I could train more or less every evening, you know. Um, and in terms of teaching martial art, for some bizarre reason, that never crossed my mind, you know. Um, like I'll cover the odd warm up here and there, and you just sort of fall into it accidentally. Then you cover a class. And then somebody comes in and says they want a one-to-one. It's like, oh, shit, okay, cool. I'll hold pads here. And it just sort of transpired from there. 
you know, and then, you know, now now I can afford to be a full-time coach, you know, I, uh, I've i got to actually turn people away for one-to-ones because I'm, I'm that busy, which is fantastic, you know, so, I mean, I started off, like I said, working on the gym, uh, gym counter and, because um, I, I I wasn't getting enough money, you know, I was living on my own, that's when I had to start to work the door and make ends meet, um, but then, yeah, I, I soon stopped that, I got in trouble with the police and, I mean, the, the gym owner, Raj, he, he's like a brother to me. He he told me every day, stop working the door, you know. I mean, look, I, I'm not an imposing person. I'm fucking, you know, five foot seven on a good day. You know, <laughs> if, somebody, if somebody was going to fight a guy on the door, it was always me, you know. So I, I, every night I'll get into trouble. So I, I finally called that quits and, and, and thankfully I could afford to, like I said, make a living off just coaching, coaching and fighting. That's awesome. And I think um, it's, yeah, it always interests me. Um how how people um like yourself um find the determination to to keep it going and keep the the fire going within you know tra- training and doing that kind of stuff i think you just you have to really love it right i don't know is that what you think is that you, you think you just you have that fucking passion for it and even though you know you've got to make ends meet and, and do those things you're still gonna fucking train yeah i mean I, I've never really put much thought to it. So, funnily enough, I haven't actually told nobody online, but um, before my last fight, which was sort of 2020, don't exist, right? So, 2019, surprising as it is, what was it? September 2019, basically five weeks prior to this fight, I, I blew my knee out in training. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, uh, I, I couldn't grapple. Uh, my knee would lock up. Um, turns out it was a torn meniscus, but I didn't have it scanned or anything. I thought, fuck it, I'm just going to do what I can. I'm going to get this fight out of the way. Um, and I, I tried to fiddle the, the health insurance, which didn't go planned. But they, um, I, I had basically a year off training. You know, while I was trying to fiddle the health insurance to get some sort of surgery, um, all I could literally do was boxing. Couldn't kick, couldn't grapple. And from there, other than teach, from there I really realised um, how important this is to me. You know, like I said, it was just something I did. Of course, I was passionate about it. But I never, you know, it's, it's one of those things, it's cliche, but you don't realise how much, it, how important it is to you until it's gone sort of thing, yeah. you know. And um, yeah, when, when I couldn't grapple, especially with the jiu-jitsu for a whole year, which was the longest I hadn't grappled for, I really realised how important it is to my life. And it's somewhat terrifying to be fair, because if it does get stolen away from me for whatever reason, God forbid, uh, I don't even know where I'd be, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you don't realise the threat of it being taken away and then you go, shit. Exactly, you know, and and how easily, you know, easy that can happen, you know, especially with knee accidents. I suppose not to dwell on the bad side of COVID, I suppose if there's any silver lining, you've probably had a year to kind of recover and grow strong. Yeah, so that, that was the plan, to be fair. I mean, like I said, I had my fight in September and I thought, cool, so I'm going to take out an insurance policy, um, you know, as dodgy as it comes. I knew, so basically, uh, Melissa, you just saw... Um, She's, she's making her pro debut this year as well. Um, but when she first started training, she blew out her ACL and MCL um, literally within mm-hmm. the first month and had to have full surgery. And I've seen the whole process. Look, I'm not going to knock the NHS, but for athletes, the NHS is garbage. You know, yeah. Obviously, if you go there with a knife in your stomach, fantastic. But if you're an athlete, it's, it's, it doesn't cut the mustard. You know, So we go there, we've got to wait six months for a scan and another fucking month or two for the results and then surgery. And then she was out for a year and a half. You know, and I, That, that mm. was when I was sitting there after I blew money out thinking, oh, fuck. You know, so like I said, I tried to go through the process of filling the health insurance. Um, and then literally just as it started, just as I was about to go through the process of getting the surgery, 
COVID hit and basically found out that, you know, I did it prior and I tried to fuck them over and I had to basically pay for it privately. But it did work out in my favour in that sense, like you said. You know, I had somewhat of this time to recover, you know, which was somewhat a blessing in disguise, you know. I want to get into that actually because you, I know you're there. Um, there's a lot of hype around your girlfriend as well. She's a she's a big name in female MMA at the minute. Yeah, you know what? Um, she hits like a man. I remember when she first came <laughs> to the gym. I swear to God, when she first came to the gym and like I felt her strength because she used to break dance and do bits of gymnastics and stuff. And when we're talking about physical base, I mean she's a specimen anyway as a female. When we're looking at physical you know, um, attributes or bases that give you these attributes, I'd, I'd say, you know, things where it takes such a balanced coordination and, you know, understanding a body weight like breakdancing and gymnastics are fantastic. Um, but yeah, so she come to the gym and she was throwing me around, drilling technique and I was thinking immediately, fucking hell, like this girl's strong, you know. Um, and organically, she was a better grappler than a striker, but then the more effort she's put into a striking, I mean, I can't remember a record off by heart, but she's got five or six wins all by KO or TKO, you know, which is unheard of by a female. I mean, that's not happened in female MMA in the UK, you know, yeah. that's a fact. No females in the UK have knocked out, knocked or TKO'd that many girls out. You know, uh, she, she's got, uh, what, the silver in the, the Europeans. Um, she lost a dodgy decision in the first round of the Worlds in the IMAFs. Um, but yeah, she... She's a big, she's a big thing, and again, in typical MMA fashion, struggling to get fights because not many people want to get knocked out. You know, <laughs> so you're kind of you're a product of your own success, aren't you? You kind of that's the problem, if right? You're too good coming up as an amateur, and people have got a lot of footage to look at. They kind of scared off and go, "Don't fancy it." Yeah, I mean, it's one of those. You know, it's um, it's one thing being choked out. Ah, I can deal with that. You know what I mean? But then it's another thing. You know, fighting Paul Daly and knowing that your head is going to be, you know. Not no longer attached to your body. I find it interesting. Sorry, sorry. Um, I find it interesting how someone like Ryan Hall um struggles to get so many. Like no one wants to fight him apparently, and he's not like he's not a person necessarily that you'd think. Oh fuck, he's gonna. I mean, he might tear your knee away. Um, that's that's one thing. Maybe that's what people are scared of. But (laughs) I think what's really interesting about Ryan Hall is um. I don't know who was the mastermind behind it because Ryan Hall is super intelligent. Whether it's Fraz Zahabi again, another super intelligent person. But um, it's the different approach to a jiu-jitsu player entering, like a specialist jiu-jitsu player entering MMA. Um, and such a significant change from, let's say, it's ultimate fire days till now. Mm. Traditionally, you get a jiu-jitsu guy and you're thinking, fucking hell, your jiu-jitsu is fantastic. We just need to do wrestling. You know? And now, no matter how much a jiu-jitsu guy practices wrestling, he ain't never taken down a wrestler. This ain't happening. You know? Mm. Um, and what Faraz has done, or or maybe Ryan Hall's done, is try and transform him into a karate fighter. You know, mm-hmm. so he plays it super long. You know, a range that's super awkward for a lot of MMA fighters, and throws funky kicks that you know MMA fighters don't tend to spar against. Um, so you're forced to break that distance down and bridge that gap. And then when you do, you're at risk of being you know clinched up and whatever, put into some sort of entanglement. Um, I, I think it's a genius, genius approach to a jiu-jitsu. Uh, especially yeah. you know i say you can throw kicks spinning kicks with reckless abandon because mm. if you jump in and go i've got you back like yeah. lo and behold yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then kind of now i'd say what what's your kind of split then of training for because i know when i knew you very well you was more jiu-jitsu based mm-hmm. 
you've definitely put a bit of muscle on over the years. Um, what was your split now? Like, how how much do you value strength and conditioning over skills? Because I mean, black belt BJJ is that kind of now secondary, or how does it work for you? Yeah, so I mean, um, with my jujitsu, I haven't uh, since since I got my black belt. I haven't tra- I haven't trained gi jujitsu. Um, uh, I've said it before uh, in terms of I didn't really want my black belt um, just because I didn't feel like I could put uh, enough effort into my jiu-jitsu to where, you know, I felt comfortable having a black belt around my waist. You know what I mean? Like the plan was to sort of retire from MMA like most people do and go and really hit the gi hard and play with all the gi relevant techniques and then, you know, happily have a black belt around my waist. But um, like I won't try and touch the gi. If I roll in a gi, I'll be doing underhooks. I'll be doing your basic no-gi moves. It's um, <laughs> just because I understand the importance, you know, um, for those movements to be, you know, to transition to MMA. Um, but yeah, in terms of gi jiu-jitsu, that's non-existent. Obviously, no-gi is huge. Wrestling is huge. Um, but it's a 50-50 split. You know, it, like literally straight down the middle in terms of striking and, and grappling sessions. Uh, some grappling sessions will be MMA-orientated, wrestling and grappling with ground and pound. Um, some will just be isolated, um, like yesterday, in terms of just jiu-jitsu rounds. Um, and then some will just be wrestling sessions. And then vice versa with the boxing, the tie, and the, the MMA striking. But it is literally a 50-50 split. I'm a little bit um, uh, OTT. I'm a, I'm a little bit... Um, insane with my timetable. Everyone gets shocked, but I, I timetable everything. I have timetabled this. You know, I timetable how much sleep I've got, how how long it takes me to get to the gym, how far I travel. I'm I'm a little bit nuts, man. I go to Alton Towers and I timetable when I'm going to get to a ride, how long I'm going to go. <laughs> I swear to God, then what ride I'm going to go to next? That's you know, awesome. I talk Melissa to Barcelona. I timetabled how long we're going to be on a beach. You know, relaxing. <laughs> Honestly, I'm, I'm nuts. You know, <laughs> everything's a timetable. Yeah, fucking. There's a thing yeah. about that. I uh, I read a thing and it was saying like Jeff Bezos. Yeah, Elon like, Musk. They remove oh, really? decisions. You get decision fatigue, so you shouldn't think about what clothes you wear. You shouldn't think about what you have for breakfast. You should focus your like on what you're doing. So it's, it's funny yeah. you say that because it's there's logic behind it. I suppose that's you know? exactly what, exactly. What I feel like I got a to do list for each day, you know. So um, you know, I don't have to think in my head, man. What do I do today? I just look. Okay, cool. That's what I've got to do. You know, it's just <laughs> not, just well I'm organized, not. man. I I, I seriously <laughs> uh, highly rate that. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, I need a bit of that in my life. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, same. <laughs> Supposedly, I'm a fucking engineer, and I'm nowhere near as as organized <laughs> as you are, mate. So, um, but, but I'm actually, uh, interested then. So when you're, um, when you're training, are you, um, when you're training for a fight, when you're training for, once you have a fight, obviously <laughs> as, as difficult as it is for you, um, yeah. what is the process of, um, are you game planning against someone? Cause I, I would imagine when at this stage, when it's not someone, you know, like you're not fighting in a, in a big, um, organization like massive organization like ufc um i'm guessing some of the people you fight may have not had a huge amount of fights so it might be hard to find material on those people do you then just kind of focus on on yourself on uh, making sure that you're the best you can be and not uh, and find some material that you can and trying to get play game plan around there yeah so i mean finding footage is always tricky less tricky nowadays to be fair um mm. most fights are on youtube you know, thankfully in that respect. But um, it's tricky and what I've found in the lower stages of MMA, be it amateur or pro, just because people by right should be improving very rapidly. You know, so for example, when you get to the UFC, Bellator, wherever, these these higher stages of MMA, 
Um, you don't really see huge pro- improvements from fight to fight. Not distinctive, you know what I mean? It doesn't look like night and day between the fighters. But I mean, at a lower level amateur and a low level pro, in reality, there, there should be huge differences. You know, they should be like a sponge and absorbing it. So I might see footage of one, uh, of the fighter I'm fighting um, from last year that's saying, by right, when I fight him this year, he should be considerably different. Mm-hmm. Um so I don't, um, I take it almost with a pinch of salt. Of course, I'll have certain ideas that I'll um, gravitate, you know, my sparring and stuff around. Um, for example, when I fought Aiden Lee, I mean, it was a very simple game plan. I just noticed when I fought him, he would fight um, conventional and he would drift to his left every time with a jab or a left hook. So I just let him jab me and I low kicked him. You know, it was very, very simple. Um, and then go to my organic wrestling from there. Um, so yeah, there'll be game plans in mind for sure, especially as I coach fighters now as well. I'm very much into trying to build game plans, but it's, um, I mean, you, you always focus on yourself. That goes without saying. Um, with martial artists, you know, I'm thinking bigger picture. Sometimes some of my fighters can think, oh, I want a game plan for this fight, a game plan for this fighter, you know, but then they forget about, you know, maybe increasing their own weaknesses because they focus too much on the game plan. They're forgetting five years down the line. You know what I mean? When we get to the UFC, you've got to be bulletproof. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So it's trying to get the, the fine balance between these two. And then also understanding, like I said, at the lower levels, Man, people are making such such drastic improvements, or at least they should be. Um, it's hard for the game plan to possibly have effect, you know. I, I completely agree with you, but I, I will say there is some exceptions, like Francis Ngannou learned how to wrestle. <laughs> <laughs> and Usman learned how to jab and knock somebody out with it. <laughs> That's true. That is true. Exceptions 100%. <laughs> but I guess this is this is where like the athlete thing comes in, right? Because I guess like Francis Ngannou, maybe he's not, I don't know, maybe he wasn't an athlete as such, but he was a fucking specimen. Um, and Usman as well, I guess. He, but he he did some wrestling, I guess. Um, he was Olympic reserve, wasn't he? He was he was proper. Yeah. I want to know. It's a shame Robbie's not here because Robbie has strong opinions about this. The other guy who does the podcast with us, uh, sparring. Robbie is very much kind of like really conscious of kind of head traumas and things like that. There's a big trend at the minute of UFC fighters saying, I don't do any hard sparring anymore. Max Holloway's a big example. I listened to Leon Edwards on Joe Rogan say out of camp, he doesn't spar hard. Mm -hmm. What does sparring look for you? Are you being the shower people? Uh, Yeah, I mean, look... I'm a fighter, so I can get carried away. You know, there's no toys about it. Sometimes me and my heavyweight, you know, as stupid as that is, a lightweight sparring a heavyweight, we'll drop our gloves and we'll fucking, we'll trade. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, sometimes it's just like, let's get a dick out on the table and let's see who's bigger. You know? <laughs> um, but uh, uh, again, I've got PVD on my right eye. So that's a step before a detached retina. So basically I see, and this is through sparring, I see um, like black spots everywhere as if there's flies. So you can swap flies, but... There are no flies. It's just my eyes fucked. Um, I'm going deaf um, through head trauma. Basically, you've got bones behind your eardrums. These have been broken. Um, so I've got to wear hearing aids to hear properly. Um, and again, through through head trauma, through through sparring. So I understand the uh, the dangers of sparring. You know what I mean? So I definitely try and keep it more playful, where you can come out of your shell and experiment with different techniques. Um, so, I mean, I won't name gyms, but I've gone to a gym before. Let's just say it's in London. And they spar every day and they, they spar to knock you out. You know what I mean? They're throwing elbows, they're throwing knees. Um, and I don't think this is the most intelligent way of sparring. Mm. Um, because you just go to plan A. You know what I mean? You never get to fucking try and practice a technique that you've been right. doing on the mix or whatever. Um, 
I mean, of course you get that fight realism. You know, you get pretty fucking confident. But like, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm losing my hearing. I've got a fucked up right eye. Um, it's maybe not the best thing to do for longevity, at least, you know? It seems it seems a difficult balance to strike, like when because I, I understand the argument that you want, uh, especially an upcoming fighter, to to understand, you know, to to be in the have the heat of battle um, before they get to the ring, um, but at the same time, where where it's for me, it's like where is the the moment where you need to chill out because even someone like Max Holloway, they obviously sparred hard for a long time in their career and maybe if they hadn't maybe they wouldn't have got where they are but now obviously he's well set in his career and he can do that so it's like where is that moment where you kind of chill out yeah i completely agree like i've used again andre and jimmy um as a they're quite uh, prolific in my life but um in reality in my opinion i think they could possibly do just not sparring you know they're at such a, a high level and at a peak of their technique you know Maybe it could just be refining and getting sharp and getting in shape, you know, because like like I said, they've done all those rounds. You know, I don't get wrong. I think if a beginner comes to me and says, I don't want to spar, you know, because Max Holloway said he don't spar, so you're a fucking idiot. You know what I mean? Um, you need to spar. You need to understand timing and range and so on and so forth. But yeah, once you've done those thousands and thousands of rounds and put in all those fights and, and again, Max Holloway, he typically isn't the finisher, right? He goes to war. He goes three or five rounds. The amount of rounds that man's put in that octagon you know, it makes sense for him always not to spar and to look after mm-hmm. his brain. I mean, he already sounds a bit punchy, you know, so it just seems <laughs> an intelligent move. Because yeah. he's had a few issues as well with weight cuts and things like that. So mm. I, I think, like you said, with new people, right, it's it's a good test, right? I want to fight. Everybody comes into the gym, right? How many people have you seen come in and go, I want to fight? And you go, okay. Oh, too many. And then you do a hard sparring session with them and you don't see them again. Uh, there was a few times where you hit me in the gym and I thought, I'm not going back. <laughs> but, like, it happens, right? And whilst you're new and whilst you've not had many fights, I think you do need a bit of that hard sparring. Mm-hmm. Do you actually like it? Are you, are you tough? Have you got a bit of a heart? Like now you, you've got a few problems, like you've said. You can probably dial it down a little bit. You know you're tough. Like, yeah. you, know, you know you've got the heart for it. You know if it comes to it, you can stand there and do it. So actually doing more pads and doing more drilling is probably the right thing to do. You said like Jimmy and Andre, they've kind of been in there forever. They've done how many ever rounds. They know what distance is. I think there's there's a line. And I think probably historically people have stopped a bit too late. They've waited for injury to come in or they've waited for serious injury to come in. Whereas I think people are getting smarter now and going, actually, I can't, I can't go full clip five days a week. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree. Um but he's, he's, he's the, trying to find and strike the balance, trying to decide when that line's to be drawn. You know, that's the tricky part. Because yeah. um, there is there is high risk. But I think it's, it's almost like a short-term risk as well, like we see with a shooter box, you know. Short-term, fantastic. You know what I mean? Again, the gym that I won't mention in London, in, in, in London short-term, some of their fighters are fantastic. But again, traditionally, their longevity is done. You know, so they might peak in their mid mid to late 20s, but then mm. they're done after 30. You know what I mean? But nowadays, I mean, look at look what we're seeing in the UFC. And again, this is where the athlete portion of it comes into play. We're seeing champions at late 30s. You know what I mean? People fighting mid-30s and still fighting at a very competent level. This is unbelievable. You know what I mean? Yeah. Unheard of. Unless we're talking a pre-USADA. You know what I mean? So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, TRT Vitor is still the phenomenon. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, you say you fight anybody, but I don't know about TV tour. I think uh, you need to get more. <laughs> to be fair, the one person I only go, I, I, I don't mind. I don't mind being knocked out. It's quite pleasant, surprising. Um, it's who's more, Paul Harris. I would not fight that man. He's the one man I wouldn't fight. You know, fuck that. I don't want to blow my knee out again, so I'd pass on that. But fuck it, I'd fight TRTV tour. I saw, I saw him at Polaris, one of the first Polaris when he fought oh. Tonin. He is an absolute unit. Yeah. Inhuman. Inhuman. Like, and day, like, him hook, just, oh, God. I was sat on the end of the row and he had to walk past me to get to the bit where he was competing. I'm like, I'm not taking a piss the floor shock as he walked past. <laughs> <laughs> I completely appreciate why you'd never get in with him. Like, Honestly, I would not do it. I would not do it. I can't work out if he's just nasty or just full retard. I can't work it out, but it's one of them, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but there is something about like, um, yeah, getting knocked out, getting punched. You know how that feels. It's all right, but getting your knee tweaked—that just that just doesn't even. I've never had it properly tweaked, and I just, ugh, it just yeah, gets me. Dude, it's, it's even, it's the aftermath. Like I said, mine was a meniscus problem. So my cartilage would tore in such a way it would sort of flap about and would get caught in my knee joint. So if I would kneel, it would get caught in my knee joint and it would lock. And it's such a, a, a strange sensation to explain, but I would literally just freeze and fall down. I'm not even joking, a little bit crude, but I'm having sex one day. You know, my knee locks up. That's not a situation you want to be locked up in. You know what I mean? It's like, honestly... <laughs> Absolute agony, you know. I see people with torn ligaments, you know, they'll be walking down the street and the knee will just slip, you know, because it hasn't got no support and they'll just fall over. It's just, oh shit, you know, it's a, it's a horrible thing. <laughs> so, well, there's kind of one more thing I wanted to cover was from your Instagram, it looks like you've turned your flat into a bit of a MMA dungeon. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, don't get me wrong, I've got my illegal training going on as well. I've got gyms and we've actually got caught by the police twice bastards but um, <laughs> on one of the days as well there were four stabbings in the UK but they were they sent two cop cars to my gym come on but no yeah, I'm not yeah. using Lions Gym if there's any cops watching I'm using another gym um, but yeah <laughs> <laughs> I've rented like a downstairs flat as well and um, we've sort of matted that out so Melissa does a bit of PTs there and we, we do some training there as well and then we go to um, a couple of different gyms around the country I mean I've always been one to travel um, so we train over in Birmingham, we train in Northampton, in Wolverhampton. Um, and then uh, there's a gym in Coventry I go and use as well. So we're here, there and everywhere. So you're still taking over kind of like, well, when does camp start for the next fight? How how long do you kind of give it? Is it because I know everybody's oh. obsessed with camps now, aren't they? Like, is that something you stick to? No, I, I don't understand fight camp. Most people that come to me again, I've, I've, I've had my fair, fair share of fighters. And they could piss me off, you know, because this is where I see um, and why I, I enjoy jiu-jitsu guys. Um, and you'll know yourself, like, when do jiu-jitsu guys not train? Yeah. They're training year-round. You know what I mean? Like, jiu-jitsu guys don't... all over the show. For their competitions. You know what I mean? They're, like, proper geeky and they love it and they just train all the time. Yeah. You know, but then I get MMA guys and they, you know, they get their fight and then they don't turn up. Like, mm. training the next week. Or, Wait, where the fuck are you gone? Oh, yeah, well, I, won't, I won't train until i got a fight. Huh? Huh? You know, there's Tom DeCanary who just work in a fucking, in the office and they're training night and day, you know, just because they love it. And you're an actual fighter claiming to be an athlete and you won't train until you've got 12 weeks before a fight. I'm not, I'm not a believer in fight camps. I train year round. I'm a martial artist um, in that respect. 
Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, uh, there'll be less excuses. So, you know, I, you know, I might miss a session, you know, because I want to have a wank or something. Um, <laughs> that 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 won't happen. You know what I mean? When I got a fight coming up, we're on. You know, I'm coming to every session. You know, I'm going uh, full intensity. The the only thing that changes is my diet. That's it. You know what I mean? My training more or less stays the same. Um, there might be some few a few different things added. But the diet's the big thing, you know. The, the whole people talking about this fight camp, I, I don't understand. You should be in a fight camp year-round, you know. Yeah. Diet's an interesting one. As you can probably tell, I'm not great at it. <laughs> <laughs> what, what does a diet con- consist of? Do you, do you get professional advice? Do you go to a dietitian, nutritionist? Is it boring chicken rice like I used to do? No, you know what? Um, diet's one of those things. I mean, training is one of these things as well. People have a, in my opinion, people have a tendency to really overcomplicate, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, let's say getting stronger. Um, of course, there'll be some strength and conditioning coaches that will argue with me when we're talking about finite details, but don't fucking lift heavy. Don't push yourself. You know what I mean? Train consistently. Train hard. You know, you want to get back better, turn up on the mat. You know, when we're looking at diet, you want to gain weight, eat more, train less maybe, you know when you want to lose weight, you want to fucking train a bit more, eat a little bit less, you know, it's really quite logical. So, um, I just reduce my calories, you know, I make sure. So, you know, I make sure I'm drinking enough water. I make sure I'm hitting it. I've got like a protein goal. I'll hit this. Um, and I, I eat lots and lots of vegetables. I think this is crucial. And what a lot of people miss out on, I'll be having about 10 fruits and vegetables a day. Um, mm-hmm. you know, um, I really try and consume a lot of vegetables, um, you know, for the micronutrients, but, um, in terms of losing weight, like I said, some people can hire all these nutritionists and pay all this crazy money. Um, it's really quite simple, I find. You know, I, people get shot, but my weight, I, I, 20 kilo, I, lo- I lose 20 kilo to fight. You know, and it's not a challenge. Not a challenge. You know? well, I, no, I, I mean, that is a fucking crazy weight cut. But in the, in the actual, so I'm guessing you, you cut a lot calorie based uh, until you get to the week. Uh, when you do water loading, right? And then you, how much, like 10%? No, nah, more than 10%. So, more than 10%, um, okay. Yeah, so I'll lose 8 to 10 kilo. In, uh, we're talking eight weeks or so. So about a kilo a week. Um, so I'll come in, 10 days before the fight, I'll be 82 kilograms. Um, and I'm weighing in at 70.7. Um, through my water loading process, and I play with my carbohydrates and my salt. Um, and this is just mm. something I've experimented on myself and my other fighters. I'll lose six kilo up until um, the Thursday. So let's say I'll weigh in Friday morning. So on Thursday morning, I'll wake up about 76 kilograms. So I would have lost six kilograms there just through the, like I said, the water loading, the carbohydrate change. Um, and then I'll, I'll passively sweat uh, six kilograms um, through Thursday and then Friday morning. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I think it's also, and what you say is so important as well, I think for athletes like yourself, um, and just generally MMA fighters who are, you're constantly in contact with other people and like you're exchanging liquids and stuff, having having a good micronutrient-based diet, like having a good micronutrient base is so important because your your immune system needs to be strong and all those things. Do you know people who like get sick a lot or, or something like that when um, they're training? No, I mean, I've felt it myself. Um Again, it might just be my mind playing tricks on me, but um, you know, like normally after a fight, you know, I have a bad weight cut uh, or a big weight cut. Sorry, so you know, we're talking two weeks after the fight. I'm not touching no vegetables. You know what I mean? I'm just eating shite food, and <laughs> literally, 
I feel worse than when I was cutting weight. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> fucking fucked. It's bad. You know, it's not good. <laughs> and, um, you know, as soon as I start to put some vegetables in again, I feel pretty sound. No, not again, like, look, this is pure bro science. I'm not a scientist here. You know, I've got maybe one GCSE. But, um, you know, like when we when we look at people when they turn to, to, to veganism, right, you got somebody on a Western diet and they're eating, you know, kebabs all day. And then they go vegan and then start to eat some vegetables. And they're like, oh, I feel fantastic. It must be because I cut out meat. Well, maybe because you started to eat some broccoli, mate. But cool, it's for me. <laughs> so, you know, I just logically through seeing what other people have gone through and myself, I, I've just found vegetables to be so, so crucial, you know, as stupid as it sounds. You know, veg. I don't know why people don't eat more vegetables. You know, I like vegetables. Yeah, same, same, same. <laughs> I don't know though. A good pizza is just as good though. <laughs> a veggie pizza. I'm the kebab pizza. The guy you look at with disgust and go, "You need more vegetables in your life." <laughs> That's why you're having trouble with your weight, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am. <laughs> Because I keep blaming lockdown. It's just I'm a fat bastard. <laughs> like, you've just got to be real to yourself, but then own it. You know what I mean? Like, say if I miss a session, like I, I, I'll say straight, I'm being a bitch. Melissa's like, why are you missing a session? Melissa, I'm being a bitch. I don't want to train today. You know, I'm not going to make some bullshit. Oh, my toenail hurts. Some, some shit like this, you know? Just be honest with yourself, you know? That's, <laughs> That's, a, good making a, bit That's a good point, actually. Kind of living with your girlfriend and... I know when I used to compete, my girlfriend was just like, you're an idiot. Like, what are you doing? And like, your girlfriend trains, she fights. She's, do you ha does that help? Do you hold each other accountable? Is there like, get up, you lazy bastard, do something today and that kind of stuff? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. I mean, she she doesn't like watching fights. Um, she's just getting into it a little bit more now. So I would love that to be able to sit and watch like a whole UFC event with her and break down the ins and outs of the fights and stuff, which she's just getting into. But I mean, in terms of accountability for training um, and not having, um, again, when you were at Lions Gym, I might have had a, a, an old missus, um, but like, and that was a long-term relationship and she would routinely try and hold me back from the gym. You know what I mean? Which I hear most people in their relationships, that's the problem they come up against. I, again, you know, Melissa's a blessing. I have not, no problem. We go and train together. You know what I mean? Mm. We'll go and spar, you know, I'll spar with the guys, she'll spar the girls, whatever, you know, we'll, ha we'll train in the same facility. Um, so it's not like we're apart in that sense and she's not on my ass you know oh why aren't you home you know what I mean it's, it's fantastic um, and also like you said the accountability you know if I am feeling lazy sometimes she'll just kick me up in the ass you know go train you know that, that, that's sometimes all you need you know it's fantastic I, I recommend it <laughs> that's awesome I think but, but it's, it's so true I mean you, you look at the the really successful UFC fighters um I was re recently watching a documentary about uh, Demetrius, just like a small video from the, um, you know, the guy who does, um, uh, he did loads of uh, stuff on, on Khabib and Dagestan. Uh, yeah, I think the, it's... The, the black dude, right? He was on yeah, the podcast. Exactly. Um, I can't remember the name of his show now, but uh, never mind. But he, he did a video on, on uh, Dwayne, um, yeah, on, on uh, Mighty Mouse and, his wife was is like his is, is his like biggest fan. It's like supporting him all the time. And you see the the really successful fighters, all their you know partners, they're really supportive. Um, and I yeah, Steve Miocic, um, yeah, ex exactly. Conor McGregor, you know, Conor McGregor, uh, yeah. massive, yeah. 
exactly so it's it's i feel especially for for an athlete it's such an important part of their life to have someone who supports you in that journey because it's hard enough it's hard enough as it is mm -hmm. yeah i mean it could be a mental battle battle you know you guys will know you know when you get into training i mean for me even somebody who's super passionate about it of course i'd rather you know sit on the sofa you know and play some call of duty of some sort you know um the motivation to get to the gym is the hardest part. Mm -hmm. And you're always having that battle in your head. Like I've said it before, when I'm driving to the gym, I get to a point in the road where, you know, it's my last point I can turn around. and I can turn around and go home. And I'm arguing myself in the head, you know, man, trying to make excuses. Oh, my toe hurts. Oh, there's going to be nobody there. You know, I'm trying to argue myself enough so I turn around at this last point. I end up driving past it thinking, ah, fuck, I'm going to go train now. But it's like, the motivation to get to the gym or to get to wherever you're training is the hardest part. Once you're there, it's fantastic. You know, but if you've got somebody else in the background, you know, ah, oh, stay at home. Oh, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. And I've seen it, you know, with my fighters and people that come to my gym, it can be a real struggle with them, you know. I, I used to struggle with that when I was at Lions because I had to walk past Lions from university to go home yeah. to get my gear and come back. And just weirdly, psychologically, it's hard to then get yourself up. And it always was that fight with yourself to get off the couch. And I suppose if your missus is going to the gym with you or she's ready for a fight as well, it's kind of like you've got that, you've got your internal battle, but you've also got somebody else being like, come on. They also know how it feels to go, to have that mental battle as well, which is like part of the puzzle. Yeah, no, definitely. Cool. So I think we're probably going to wind into an end. I suppose, is there anything else from you, Alex? Um, nothing coming to mind right now. Well, I just want to say cheers for coming on and thanks for giving us a glimpse into your life as a madman. <laughs> we are fucking nuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. Thanks very much, James. No, no worries, no worries. We hope you enjoyed that episode. If you did, please consider subscribing to the podcast and checking us out on YouTube. Facebook and Instagram under the name Combat Thoughts. We'll see you next time.